Well, good morning, everybody. Rachel and team, that was great. Thank you very much. That was really, worship so good. So, so good. Well, it's nice to share with you this morning. And uh, looking at you all, you're all spread out all over the place. Hello over there. Can you still see me all right? Are you listening to me? Are you having, you putting your crossword puzzles? No, so, uh, that's okay. Good to see you all. Because later on this morning, um, I, I would like to do a, a corporate thing in response to what I feel God has, God has asked me to hear. I'm going to speak this morning about the power of a changed life. And it's from Acts chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, turn it and we'll read it. It's all about Saul and Ananias. And I would like at the end um, that we all are, are going to stand together. And I would like us all to come over into this part here just for a few minutes so that I can pray for you all, if, you, if that's okay with you. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. But I would like us to do something corporate to state the fact, as um, Nikki was saying, that God knew us before we were born. And it's, it's, it's great to know that our lives have been changed because of Jesus. So this morning... I want to share that with you. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to read the story there from Acts chapter 9. And it's a, it's a well-known story. And a, um, let's just hear, and then we can learn a bit about it. Chapter 9, Acts 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone round about, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you have to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing, so he led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road uh, by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized, 
and taking food, he was strengthened. Now, that's a good story, yeah? It's a very encouraging story. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the tale of two people. And this is it's a wonderful example of the power of God and the power of the gospel. It really is quite an amazing, two different kind of people, different personalities, but yet God met them. In what seemed for, for Christians a very difficult time, something dramatic impacted the situation, something very dramatic. Their lives were changed. And, you know, we all have a story to tell, haven't we? Where our lives have been changed, totally changed. The power of God has changed our lives. And um, that to me is, is wonderful. All of us have got our own story. Saul had his story. Ananias had his story. And God met them in the appropriate way for their situation. And in thinking of this, and thinking of all of us here, all of us have a, have a story to tell. Hello, have you got a story to tell? You know all about Jesus Christ. You know when you met him. It may have been a, a moment. It may have been a process. But we all know that Jesus changed our lives. Yeah? Good. Speak to me. Speak to me. That's good. You know, because I was thinking of my own story. And I'm moving on in years now, and I've got a long story now to look back on. But um, it, when I look at the way God changes lives, it has... Uh, what I would call a ripple effect upon on generations, doesn't it? And I, I was looking back. At, Paul was Saul was changed in, in a on a Damascus road experience. I don't know what Ananias' story was, but he met Jesus in a way that was appropriate to him. And I was thinking of the the variety of the way God works, the amazing way God works. And but I I come from a a mining village in Scotland, okay. And a very small, two mines in the village, big, big bings of, of stuff all over the place. It wasn't the most um, romantic place to live. Um, and both, both my grandfathers worked in the mines for 40 years. Um, and these were times that were very difficult. And um, it was on the River Clyde. That was the only plus. You could go down to the River Clyde, um, not far from the village. But I, I was thinking of, why am I here today? What brought me here today? Well, I was thinking of my, my, my grandfather on my mother's side. He was a miner, and every weekend he would go, and he would have a wee drink. Do you understand what I mean? And, and he, he would walk down the main street of the village very, very happy. <laughs> very happy. Everybody was nice. You know those folk that are junk? They smile at you. Uh, that, 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 that inebriated smile. And for, for many years, my grandfather did that. Every weekend, he had, he had six children, and my mother was the youngest of them all. Um, and he, after many years, he, he, was, he went to, to his, what was called the Miner's Welfare. It's, it was a pub, you know, for miners. And he was walking home one, 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 one evening, and he got to the middle of the village, and there was an open air there. And, and it was standing outside a pub, believe it or not. And they were preaching the gospel. They were really going, typical Scottish hellfire, you know, they were, they were really going for it. I used to do that myself at that same place when I was older. But the point is this, that my grandfather walked past there in his inebriated state 
and the Holy Spirit met him. Met him. And he became a Christian. But not, not like, like Saul's, but he, he was stopped at that moment. And he became a Christian. And he went home to, to his wife, to my, my grandmother, and he says, next Sunday, we are going to church. Now, that's the power of a changed life in Jesus Christ, isn't it? And from that, the family became Christians. My mother became a Christian. And right down the whole way, our whole family became Christian. And, and I find that, that amazing, that ripple effect. And to me, it's quite simply God intervenes. God intervenes into, into situations. And, and the encounter on the road to Damascus caused the Christian message to spread throughout the Roman Empire. And it's still happening today. This group here this morning is a, a, a testimony to the power of God changing lives. And I, I'm here this morning to encourage you in who you are in Christ. Walk tall with Jesus, whatever your situation. Many of you maybe are in tough situations. Many of you are okay. Many of you are asking for guidance. But it doesn't matter. We've all been changed. We're on, a, we're on a journey, and God wants to meet us there. It's still happening today. I think of John Wesley, that one man in London one day when he felt his heart was strangely warmed. And now what do we have? The whole Methodist church. One man changed for Jesus. And the, and the effect has been remarkable all over the world. Or I want to bring back, not that I want to be sort of patriotic this morning, um, but have you seen the film Chariots of Fire? If you haven't, I'm going to ask you to repent that you haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful film about Eric Riddle, who was, a, uh, he was, he was from Edinburgh. And um, he was a man who was a great runner. And if you've watched it, you know that he won the gold medal um, in the Paris Olympics. And then he went on to become a missionary in China. And why I share that with you is this that one of the great quotes in that film that came from him um, when he was asked about, about his faith, he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And God is saying to each one of us this morning, I believe. We are children of God. And God is calling us to run and share who we are in Christ and feel his pleasure. There is no greater joy than feeling the presence of God. And there are many examples of that all over the years. In Oxford University, for instance, there was a group called the Oxford Group. And it had principles they lived by. And I feel it, it really challenged me. There were four things. Absolute honesty, absolute purity, absolute unselfishness, and absolute love. And I feel we need today, as we feel his pleasure, and as we walk with him, that we need to understand that we need to live a life that has been changed. Now, as I look around all of you here, I would love to know just where you came from and your background, because it's amazing how God changes lives. He changed my grandfather very dramatically. And on thinking of that, to me, um, I was reminded very much, I love meeting people and hearing hearing about how they became a Christian. You know the idea? Uh, I would love to have met Saul and Ananias and found out, well, tell me your story. It would, be, it would have been great. Um, but there was one man in particular in Glasgow, when I, I, we lived up there, 
And he was a man called Bill Gulveer. And he was a man who came from the Gallagate in Glasgow. Now, if you don't know Glasgow, Gallagate is a place you don't go at night. Um, and I remember we had a mission there. A whole team went there for two weeks into the Gallagate, climbing those tenements and knocking on doors. It was a, it was a, a challenging experience, to say the least. But this man and his whole family became Christians out of that background. You know, it was like a Damascus Road experience hitting a family in the toughest area of Glasgow. And I, I met him once after he came back from, from, from um, the Congo, where he was the only, only, only guy that was not slain there out of the whole group of people that were there. And he said, tell me this, Bill, you know, um, what difference has it, did it make to your family when you look back in your family? He says, well, Bob, it says it turned beer into furniture. Do you get the message? It turned beer into furniture. The whole thing changed. Now that to you and I is not a lot, not one of them. We, we can go and get good furniture, but the change is powerful. Your life changes. Your focus changes. Your purpose changes. Your desires change because you want to honor Jesus Christ in your life. And that I say all this just to just to put a background to the to the power of a changed life. And when you come to this story here and we think about Saul, we see opposition turns to recognition. The penny dropped, you know. It was we see transformation through salvation. And that to me is is, is quite amazing. And I believe that something about Stephen's martyrdom, I, yeah, I really believe. Can you imagine Saul standing there? when Stephen was martyred, he was there and he watched that particular young man expressing a changed life in a most supernatural way, I believe. He, you know, he must have seen something very special that particular day. And is, how, I'm sure he asked the question, I'm only guessing here, how, how could a man die like that? How could he die like that? Because his life was changed. The influence of one life is very, very, very powerful. And I believe today we need to understand this fact. Saul plunged into persecution, um, and many lives were lost because of all that. Um, and he had asked to go and to, to do a lot more damage to the Christians elsewhere. And, you know, I'm sure Paul, when he looked at, at Stephen, he must, have asked, he must have asked the question, what secret did these people have which made them face peril and suffering and loss, serenely and totally unafraid. He must have seen that there. Why is that young man giving his life away so young when he could have lived on if he'd just given in? And you know, there are times when we look at people and we're challenged. It was not, you know, a sudden conversion. For Saul, I believe it was a sudden surrender. He just said, when, when you, when you, if you had a blinding light on a road, uh, and you heard Jesus speaking to you, boy, oh boy, you, <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm yours. Totally changed. And with all those thoughts in, in his mind, the battle, the battle was won and, and he became a Christian. He entered Damascus as a changed man. Totally changed man. Not as an avenger, but led by the hand, helpless and blind. That is a remarkable turnaround. And one writer has said this, this is all of Christianity in what the risen Christ said to Saul. And this is what he said to Saul. Go into the city and you will be told what to do. 
That's the essence of who we are in Christ. When we meet the Lord and our lives are changed, there's a simple challenge from God. You go where I want you to go, and I'll tell you what to do. And this morning, God is saying to each one of us, in our local situations, wherever you are, your life's changed, and God is saying to you, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. Maybe you're doing it now. I'm sure many of you are. But God is challenging us to keep on track and, and to move in a way that would be wonderful. The Christian person is one who ceased to do what he wants to do and who has begun to do what Christ wants him to do. And that's quite a remarkable change from our point of view. Now, that may happen in many different ways. When you look at this particular story, you know, uh, you know, it, it was a blinding light. Now, I, I've never been involved in that kind of experience, but uh, many have over the years and, and seen many um, manifestations that were like blinding lights. Um, I think particularly back in the early days of the Toronto Blessing, um, and I, I've been over there about 20-odd times over the years, um, and it, I've seen some blinding lights, in a sense, transformations and, and, and manifestations that I thought, where did that come from? But, you know, there was one lady I, I do remember, and I think we've got to realize, don't underestimate the way God's going to work in your life. He, let him do what he wants to do. There was one particular woman in, in one of the meetings, and she was laughing all the time. You know, you know if somebody sat laughing here, you know, I would say, be quiet. You know the idea. Um, but the point is this. She laughed, and John Arnott was speaking, and she laughed, and she laughed for about 20 minutes. She still laughed. You know, and, and, and people will look around and say, what's going on? John Arnott never said a thing. He, he, he still went on and preached. And, and then all of a sudden, he, he says, my dear, if you know John Arnott, my dear, come up here. And brought her out. Uh, and they said, tell me, what's happening to you? What's happening to you? And she said, well, for, for, for five years, um, I had major depression and mental problems, and I'm healed, totally healed. That's why she was laughing, because her life was totally changed. And, you know, if that's the case, I would laugh, wouldn't you? I would really laugh. If I had that change in my life. So, so let's realize this fact, that it could be a blinding light, it could be a still small voice. Maybe, maybe verses in the Bible just all of a sudden are, are, are really, they stand out and you hear God saying something to you. I believe that's one of the most wonderful ways that God uses these, these days. If we are actually being involved with God and we read his word, it comes alive. As it says, the Word of God is living and active. And I believe in many cases, if not loads of cases, many of us have heard the voice of God through the Word of God. And I think that's, that, that's great. For me, I would not be standing here today if I hadn't been sitting reading my Bible one, one morning in Hamilton, asking God to guide me in what to do with my life at the age of 30. And I, I, I just was, 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 was a, what's the word? Waffling or not making a decision. And I read the story about Saul and, and David, where Saul disobeyed God and David was put in his place. And God said to me, in my mind, if you don't get a move on, I'll put somebody else in your place. That was a still small voice for me. And I'll tell you this, when you get that in your mind, 
you go and do something about it. And so that could be you. Maybe that's how God has spoken to you. Or it, 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 could, it could also be, be quite simply something else. It, it, it could be a God incidence. I believe in them, you know. Not coincidences, but God incidences. Where there is a meeting. And it's, you think, wow, that was a bit of luck. But it was God. We felt called to become pastors. Um, and we didn't know where to go. And two farmers met in Devon one day, and my name was mentioned. Just two guys, a God incidence. They both, one of them knew us, one of them didn't. And one of them was looking for a pastor for, for somebody in a church in Dorset. A God incidence. And that's why we moved 400 miles down south, having a clue where it was. Because God spoke through a God incidence. So, folks, be aware of the variety of the way God works. Be, be aware of it all because, you know, um, if that is the case, then you will see a marvelous change in, in your life. So this man was totally transformed and he was totally new. But when you come to Ananias, this could be maybe one or two of you who are likely here this morning. You know, Ananias, he was skeptical. He was skeptical about going to see Saul. But skepticism turned to revelation. Because you read that in verses 10 to 19. You know, it was a wee bit, it was a wee bit cautious. You know the idea? I've heard of this guy. I'm not too sure I would want to witness to him, Lord. Give me somebody easier. You know the idea? I, I would have felt the same in that, that kind of situation. You know, um, but you know, the blessings of obedience are quite remarkable. Many of us are surprised at the people God uses. He was a quiet man in Damascus, a born-again Christian, his life totally changed by Jesus, willing to do what God wanted him to do. And he heard God, and at first he was a wee bit skeptical, but then he obeyed God, and the blessings were immense. When we obey God, the blessings overwhelm us at times. And, you know, to me that's great. Many of us are surprised. God using you, God using me. Look at Gideon, who was in a, a wine press. And God says, you're a mighty warrior. Who, me? You know the idea? Or you, you think of, of um, David, a shepherd boy, out with sheep. God brings this little lad out to become somebody. Most of the disciples were fishermen. Fishermen. Ordinary working people. Saul was a rabbi. Billy Graham was a farm boy. John Arnott from Toronto, he was a travel agent. And God just called them all out to do what he had wanted them to do. And, you know, many of us think, oh, well, I'm not very sure whether that's me. But, folks, let me tell you this. Ananias got quite a shock. He was out of his comfort zone. Uh, I'd like to witness to you, Lord, but this is a tough one for us today, too. What we did is something very special. He said, I'll go, Lord. And, and the result of that, when we obey God, the results are quite amazing. When we obey God, we see fruitfulness. If we are where God wants us to be, that's where fruit happens. You understand that? That's where fruit happens. If that's where God has called us to be, that's where fruit happens. And, and we can look back and, and, and be encouraged at, at a personal level the way God has blessed us, particularly as we went down to the, to the, to the south of England. And so God is saying to us this morning to be involved in that. 
maybe to do something that we've never done before. Uh, that, that is a challenge. To maybe be involved in a way we've never been before. I, was, I came from a, a very conservative background, very traditional background, when the gifts of the Spirit were not for today. You know the idea? That was my background up until the age of 30, 30 35. And um, I came down to England, England, and got involved in a the church there. And I began to preach on this fact that the gifts were not for today. And the Monday morning, there was loads of guys and gals that were knocking the door. Hello, Bob. Uh, can we talk to you? I says, yes. Uh, why do you believe the gifts are not for today? They weren't being very cheeky. They, were, they, were, they, were, they, made, they made me think. And I'm grateful for folk who, who, question, who question things at times. And, you know, that helped me to realize, it's a long story, I won't go into it, but the Holy Spirit came and met Eileen and I in a wonderful way. But I was challenged by one thing, the gift of prophecy. Now, it, it's something I'd never done in my life. And I was a pastor of a church. And one, one particular uh, week, um, we invited a lady down from Scotland who was going to do some, some ministry on, on, on inner healing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And she was, a, she was a wonderful person. And she was staying with us at that time. And one day, we were sitting in, in, in one of the rooms, and, and she said to me, Bob, God's told me that you had a word for me. You had a word for me. I said, oh, do I? <laughs> That's interesting. And, and a, a prophetic word, God has given me, given you a prophetic word for me that I think is important to me. Now, I'd never done that before in my life. And I sat there with Eileen. She was no help at all. And she, <laughs> uh, she, she just sat there and thinking, where is he going to What's he going to do now? You know the idea. This is what happens. And I sat there facing this lady. And all of a sudden, God dropped a verse into my mind that I thought, well, that can't be right. You know the kind of thing. It's not a, it's not a, a thus says the Lord stuff. You know the idea. And I said, well, um, there's only one verse that I've, I've got in my mind just now, and I'm just going to share it with you. And you can tell me whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And the verse was simply this. Here's the verse. It is not good that man should be alone. That's all I got. And I gave it to her. And she burst out crying. I thought, oh dear, I've done it again. <laughs> you know the idea. I've done it again. And, and you know, it was quite remarkable. I said, why, why are you crying? Why are you crying? I said, well, when I was coming down in the train, I'd been praying so much that... Am I, should I be married or should I stay single? That was, that was the prayer she gave to God on the way down. And I gave her this verse, which said to her, yes, you're going to get married. And a year later, she came down with her husband together to share and to minister together. I thought, yes, you know. <laughs> that's a, but that's, that to me encouraged me. So all I say to you is this. Go for it. Ask God to guide you and, and, and be involved in this. Don't be skeptical. Give God time to, to reveal what he wants you to do. For Ananias, 
he received a prophecy about Saul. He prayed that Saul would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was involved in signs and wonders. That's a pretty good answer to, to obeying God, isn't it? Salvation, we see there. We see filling of the Holy Spirit. We see healing and we see sending. To me, if that's what God calls us to do in our changed lives, it's worth it all. And I, I believe God wants us to, to realize that. If we do what God asks us to do, whether different or difficult, the blessings are immense. So I'm here this morning just to encourage you in that. The results are immense. We will see salvations. We will see people filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. We will see people healed. We will see people sent out to serve God in a variety of different situations. So that's my prayer this morning for you. The power of your life, the power of my life, is quite remarkable. And I feel it's time to, to break out. Our lives have been changed because of Jesus. And so this morning, just as we, as we finish, um, I'm, I've been short and sweet, that's fine. Um, I would like us just to do a corporate thing this morning. Are you willing to go with me in this? Hello? I feel we need to pray together to, be, to have our, to be releases of life. You know, I'm thinking particularly of it's time to break out of, of who we are, to stand up for Jesus, to release the life has, that, that God has called us to, to release our lives. Now, it doesn't matter your condition, whether hard or difficult, it doesn't matter. I, I would like just to, as a, as a church, pray that God would release his Holy Spirit into each of our lives in our various situations this morning. And, and we're going to do it together. Is that okay? Um, I, I, I read an old hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. You know that? I'm not going to sing it to you. That would be better. Rachel sang it. But to stand up for Jesus. And I think we need to maybe stand up for Jesus as a family this morning. So I would like, if you could, all you guys over here, just for five minutes, if you want, could you come across here? Could we all stand up together? Could you all come across? Just come across. Just for a few minutes. I wonder if, if, if Phil, you could maybe just play something for us. Could you do something like that? I would like you to, to play Spirit of the Living God. Does that be okay? Um, just this morning. Just, just come, all, oh, come over here. Come in. Come in. Don't be shy. You could sing. Just sing this. Just come over. Come over here. Don't be shy. Hello, everybody. Where's your skates? <laughs> If you want to pray something after me, pray it. Feel free to do that if you feel you want to do that. Is that okay. Let, let's just open our hands to the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you, Lord, for each person standing before you this morning. Thank you for every changed life. Thank you, Lord, that you knew this would happen before we were ever born. Thank you, Lord, that we are your family. We are the children of a heavenly father. And Lord, this morning, I ask you for each one of us that you would release us, that we would break out to be the people God called us to be, that you would release your Holy Spirit and that you would just come in a way that would honor you 
So come, Holy Spirit, right now. Release your presence into us, body, soul, and spirits. Release, Lord, everything that you have for us. Take us, Lord, into the place of blessing. Because we know the battle is not ours, but yours. And thank you, Lord, we're not going to victory, we're coming from victory. We've won. We are children of a victorious and loving God. So, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. And as we do this, we're going to sing this song.